Welcome to Following the Leftovers, the officially unofficial podcast for The Leftovers on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 9, entitled 1013. A lot of numbers in that title. Just too, almost too many to say. Uh, 1013, any significance to you? It's what you say before the words good buddy when you're signing off on a CV conversation, yeah? Sure, I do. 1013, yeah. good buddy. Uh, that's it. Uh, it's, it's this world's version of nine ten, I guess. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, and there's a lot of significance there, therein for this episode. And it's a Meg centric episode. Uh, Meg and Tommy, I guess. Tommy's also centric. Sure. Although. Central to the yeah. episode. What, what do you think of this? I'm, I'm curious to see what you think of this episode. I don't know if it's colored by what you told me. But I came away with roughly the same opinion that you had, which is, I mean, I've just seen some of the back-to-back best episodes of television. Yeah. Maybe that I, that I, certainly that I can remember. Uh-huh. Um, like, there there were one-offs in Breaking Bad that were, I think, as good, mm-hmm. if not slightly better. But just over and over, they've Sustained been... Sustained run of excellence. Hitting all the marks. And this episode didn't quite get there for me. Yeah, I agree. I feel like it... Um, and, you know... <laughs> It's hard to judge because when you've got such a, a a sample size of excellence that like a small dip in quality is going to look like a mountain if you plot it out or a valley I guess if you plot it out in a whereas if you said okay if this is um you know uh, a a B plus when you've been getting A pluses or maybe even extra credit you know one ten out of one hundred episodes it feels like a bigger drop off than it is yeah but so- I also felt like there was a little bit. I know they had to converge everybody to Jarden to apparently tell the story they want to tell. It felt somehow it was a little unnatural. I, I and, and the Tommy, it, it, Tommy's the linchpin. Hmm. I've always thought yeah. Tommy's the hardest character to understand. Yeah, yeah. Even the episode with him and his mom, like I felt like I found out a lot more about Lori than I really found out about Tommy. And things were done to Tommy, and I don't understand. And yeah. I find it really hard to get into his head like season one he's following this girl and trying to keep her pregnant and he's a true believer and you know he he follows all these orders until they're logical or illogical conclusion he leaves the baby with his dad he takes off starts a cult with his mom like all these things are hard for me to understand i think they're supposed to be because i think they're hard for him to understand i think he's one of the characters who completely doesn't like he acknowledges that he has pain, but he has no idea what it is caused by, and how to get rid of it. Yeah, and, you know, but, and he's desperately jumped to commit suicide. I mean, I there's definitely, and, and I feel like that season three better have a really big Tommy POV episode that really delves mm. into his childhood and his experiences at university and his the way his relationship with his stepdad and his 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 half sister evolved after ten fourteen. Because he's yeah. a, a lot of big question marks that they are using, I, I, I kind of exploiting to get the plot moved to the next episode, and that is rub. It, it's I'm unused to that, so it makes it feel like it's not as satisfying and as organic. Yeah, when you look at like the other characters' motivations, we kind yeah. of understand them on a fundamental level, right? Whereas Tommy hasn't. We haven't gotten that piece of his puzzle. Uh, a lot of people, I feel like the other thing is if you don't enjoy Liv Tyler or her acting, this is a rough <laughs> episode for you. I have always loved irrationally uh, Liv Tyler. Really? Okay. Yeah. I've never had any affinity for Liv Tyler. Yeah. Like I, uh, I've always 
I've always really liked her on a visceral kind of man likes a woman level and always just okay. thought that uh, she's always doing something interesting. Uh-huh. So I thought she was great and I've never seen this version of Liv Tyler. Certainly. Kind of terrifying. Yeah. Here's the thing. I fucking hate this character with a passion. You should, but, but kind of like supposed jo- to. she's like Joffrey at this exactly. point. Like, yes, yeah. you can, but that's not mean she's annoying or worthless or terrible. Or that the actress is not perform. I think she's performing. She's loathsome. Really well. Like when she got on that bus and rolled that grenade and I appreciate, oh, I appreciate it's full of kids. I, until the scene cut, I was fully expecting <laughs> that bus to just explode and like, Oh my God. Yeah. What's that yeah. going to do? And it's almost just as bad that she went in there and did what she did, even though the grenade doesn't go off. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, you're, man, those kids. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. I don't know what you do with their pa- and, and they're, as their parents. <laughs> like, knowing that there's <laughs> They'll never want to get on a bus again. And so, at, uh, there's a lot of stuff to talk about, and I hope I don't step on anybody's uh, toes and in, in the feedback, um, but... We know in this universe that cults are not really that tolerated, and it seems like the feds have an itchy trigger figured, finger to take you out. And between the, uh-huh. sh- the shit that Meg and her predecessor, Patty, has pulled in Mapleton, mm-hmm. at what point did they just declare open war on the guilty remnant? Uh, it, I have a feeling it might be after Meg pulls her stunt. Well, I mean, I, I, don't, the... I kind of surprised the school bus thing didn't get it. That's the thing. I get the feeling that Meg is willing to go to links uh, as far as violence that the GR in general is not. And we, yeah. get, we get a little bit of the power structure here that tells me that. Meg's GR seems like an analogy like, like to, to the, the ISIS. Yes. Like sure. even other extremist organizations like, whoa, tone it down a bit. Like you guys mm-hmm. are crazy. Uh, the fact that she's also like, I, I, I kind of like that analogy too, because it seems like the really radical terrorists don't take the tenets of the religious faith seriously. Okay. Like, you know, there's all these stories of them mm. going to America and spending tons of money and having a oh, bunch of yeah, sex yeah. and drinking alcohol, things that are, sure. you know, uh, but, but, but then they're like super, um, you know, militant and here's Meg kind of disrespecting the basic tenets of the guilty remnants, uh, yeah. the no talking, the fact that you can harm yourself, but you can't harm others, and the violence isn't part of their message. Did I see her smoking maybe once this episode? Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like, she seems to pay that a lot of lip service and yeah. wants to be violent. Mm-hmm. And and you also, the thing that I still, I mean, I've, I've watched this episode three times now, and the thing I find fascinating is how much of this was part of Meg before... Ten thirteen, ah, or yeah, before yeah. ten, even ten thirteen, um, because they paint a picture, a really complicated picture of a woman that had a troubled bring, upbringing. Everything on the surface seems nicey nice with her mom, but she has to put coke up her nose twice in like ten minutes to get through it. Yeah, no, I clearly she's not okay even in that world. <laughs> no, pre sudden departure, and she was dragging her feet about. I think marrying her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. There are signs of that before, which we. I thought. I think I always took that that was a reaction to the, uh, uh, to the to the departure. Yeah, and I think it's especially interesting Meg's stance on like, you know, we're not going far enough. You really think that just standing there staring at people is going to get them to remember? Well, I've got a better idea. It's really in stark contrast to what Patty was talking about last episode, which is the power of silence. 
Yeah. And Meg seems to completely disregard that power in favor of a different type of power. Although Patty also kind of, I felt like she thought the power of silence, she recognized the power, but she didn't choose to follow that in her own life as well. Because she... No? No, I mean, because she would break silence when it was useful to her, and she also well, did yeah, a lot of Well, yeah, but she actions. used it as a larger tool. Yeah, I guess. To, to end. And, and maybe that's just, you know, her... I, I don't think she was the one who invented, oh, yeah, let's not talk. Yeah. But that fit kind of right in line with her thoughts yeah. on the matter. Whereas Meg's very different. But the other thing is, when Meg comes out and sees her mom laying dead on the ground, mm. I studied her face, and, like... What was I seeing? Was I seeing grief? No. Was I seeing confusion? Yes. I mean, the it's and you know that's the thing. Like people get in trouble. It's like what is the appropriate and typical reaction to something like that? You don't know because your 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 body and brain are just flooded with all kinds of fucking chemicals. Yeah, and, and that takes over. And yeah. Like, how you react to these traumas is, you know, it, it drives me crazy when it's used against people in the court of law. Like, sure, yeah, yeah. You know, well, why didn't you cry at your wife's funeral? Well, fucking maybe he was disassociated uh, from his emotional state because he just couldn't handle it. And his brain decided, well, yeah. uh, I got to do some triage and short-circuiting here. This thing, my organism that's hosting me is going to fucking destroy <laughs> itself. You know? like Yeah, yeah. So, I... You know, but on the other end, this is also a drama, and we're supposed to get things from people's performances, and I got nothing from her. Yeah, I'm I'm trying. I agree. Or I got I so felt, much that it was all this. You know, I felt the same way about that scene, and I I'm trying to figure out. I don't think it's the actress just not being able to emote for no, us, no, because in other scenes she does it so well, right? Uh, I just it's a tricky thing to pull off whatever they were going for. Yeah. Some some type of either overwhelming complication of emotions or lack of feeling an emotion. It's a tough thing. Uh we accidentally slipped right into our discussion. I wanted to cover a couple things up front. Um, oh, what's that? I thought it was so the leftovers are still not being renewed, which I don't think it got renewed until after the last episode was aired last year. And I'm yeah. not really worried. I actually think it will be. I'm I'm not super worried about it not being renewed. But there's this uh, social media movement going on where everyone, uh, any fan that can make it to New York, they're going to have a real-life flash mob at the HBO store that's in New York City. Yeah, I heard about this. Uh, Monday Next Monday at noon, everyone's encouraged to wear all white, bring notepads, chain smoke, smoke yep. and have, like, why haven't you renewed or we are living reminders. Where Do, do you think that's dumb? Would, if you were in New York, would you do it? What what? I kind of think it's a cool idea. I think it's unnecessary. I think it's a cool idea. I wouldn't do it. I though. think HBO probably freaking loves it because it's going to be yeah. on CNN and it's the same Fox reason I don't and, do like zombie walks where yeah. you get dressed up and walk as a zombie. I, a I'm I'm massively <laughs> lazy. Uh, B I just don't really get down on that stuff. Yeah. Even though I think it's a cool idea in principle. Yeah. No, so I, that's kind of how I, I feel think about it's a cool it. fun idea. And uh, I don't envy the people, you know, uh, at noon on a cold Sunday or a cold Monday uh, standing outside yeah. in sweatpants and mm-hmm. T-shirts smoking cigarettes. But that's a cool idea. And, like, I think it'd be neat if, like, several hundred people show up. I mean, you can wear a big puffy coat. Doesn't Patty wear, like, a big old puffy? Oh, yeah, puffy... yeah, you can. Or, like, uh, right. yeah. Gladys famously wore, like, the Princess Leia outfit. The, the, the yeah, Gla- Gladys princess. is who I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, I want to talk about that. And also next week, the finale is 75 minutes long. Nice. Now, most modern DVRs auto-compensate for that, but what you can get in trouble is if you have like two things being recorded at 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And if you're not paying attention and you can only record two things, then you might miss the one for the other. You might have to, quote-unquote, resolve that conflict. Um, well, also, I have HBO now. So also, okay. 75 minutes gives me hope because I felt I started getting a little panicky about, like, oh, man, there is so much stuff to resolve. And, and part of that's tempered because we had this exact same conversation at 109 last season. <laughs> I'm sure. And we were totally satisfied. So I'm not even going to go there. Like, how worried are you they're going to be able to pull this off? I'm not worried at all. Yeah, so I I think the cliffhanger here, or it's it's not a cliffhanger, it's just a, a kind of what the fuck revelation. It, it is, yes. Uh, the ending of this episode kind of does a lot to uh, calm my nerves about that because I think just by showing Evie and her friends, mm-hmm. they have said so much about it that they've covered a lot of ground for next episode. Did you see that coming? No, not a bit. I saw someone take partial credit for it in our. Uh, in, in the forums, but I, I was looking through. I didn't see. I don't think we've ever suggested on this podcast, or maybe it was in Reddit. I don't think we ever suggested on this podcast. I never saw on Reddit someone mention that. Yes, there was a lot of they fake their own departure, but they're working yeah. with the guilty remnant, and that's something that kind of seems uh, obvious in hindsight. You're right. You're one hundred percent right. And I feel also, like a fool. Also, with. Evie meeting Meg in the episode, when Tommy comes to that trailer, I'm thinking it's packed with C4. Me too. They're going to blow this fucking bridge up. Because they mentioned up. C4 in the episode. And when they open and Evie and the girls are standing right there, it still blew my mind. So even with the fairly massive tell of having these characters meet, that was not on my radar. If you guessed yeah. that, hats off to you. But I was completely gobsmacked. Those are the best kind of revelations. Yeah. The one that make perfect sense in hindsight, but you didn't ever see coming. And I think that's what – I mean, in my notes, I have this is the most lost-ass thing I've ever seen on this show. Yeah. It's lost as fuck, and I'm okay with it yeah. because this is the part that Lindelof got right in Lost. Yes. Is these massive reveals that just change your perspective on everything. But make sense. Yeah, and there's nothing, like, supernatural about Evie's no. disappearance anymore. It's not like we have to figure out, oh, God, this changes the world. No, it just changes the events that are transpiring in a logical, interesting way. There's a couple of fallout from that uh, that I want to talk about. but uh, And also, uh, towards the end of the episode, I want to talk about theories about where things are going next and how we got here. Uh, one thing to mention is this is – so either Patty was lying – the ghost Patty of, of was lying, or uh-huh. she was intentionally misleading Kevin. Sure, or she was wrong. All possibilities. What What's your favorite? Because I mean, this is one of the things that changed I in think context. In, intentionally misleading him is really? where I naturally so you're still lean on to. The, okay, so because I'm still on the she's just this is just proof that uh, uh, Patty is not a real supernatural event, and also. I think this is also pretty if, – if that's true, then that also follows that this is a little bit of evidence that Kevin was not actually there at the time the girls got disappeared. So, well, then which which one of those three camps are you in if she's I'm not in, real? I don't know. I don't know because another theory I really like that we saw after we recorded a podcast because uh, you know, I was like, you know, what, are, what did he whisper? What did the Australian man whisper to Kevin on that bridge? Yeah. Some person brought forward that he whispered the true fate of the girls – because Kevin was there and saw it, but it was walled off behind his subconscious sleepwalking mind. And, and the Australian man bridged yeah, yeah. that gap. So it's like, I'm going to give you this inside knowledge that you already knew. He's an axis Monday between yeah, his Kevin's, subconscious yeah, and his yeah, conscious. Yeah. 
and I really like that idea, but it seems like these another one of those theories that they're mutual. They they all make sense, but they're mutually contradictory. So, uh, I I guess I I'm I'm inclined to believe because I'm still skeptical uh, that that Dream Patty is a complete fragment of a fragment a complete figment of Kevin's imagination. Yeah, and that's right. why she was wrong about the disappearance. Sure, and I. Look, I understand why you think that. Let me ask you this. It makes sense. Yeah. What if sleepwalking Kevin is secretly an agent for the guilty remnant? Oh, Maybe even boy. like a high level boss figure. And that uh, he's been working in, in I was gonna in, say we did have the revelation that he kind of has the same opinion yes. as the guilty remnant. So possibly yes. Possibly. And, and that he's like, you know, he orchestrated the the patty kidnapping. And he's been orchestrating things with with uh, Meg this whole time. That's why. So, so there's a couple of evidences here when Tommy starts talking about uh, Kevin to Meg. Meg kind of smiles and enigmatically says he's a nice man. Okay. But on the other hand, she does act surprised to find out he's still in Jarden. Yeah, yeah. Which is evidence against. But someone on Reddit conveniently said, well, that could also be interpreted as she's surprised that he's still alive. Hmm. Because last they talked, he was supposed to kill himself, or he was involved. I don't know. This, like I said, the, the fringe of these theories kind of break down. Yeah, yeah. These are all kind of crackpot theories based on very little evidence. But yeah. but but at least they're interesting was, to think about. Yeah, like that's the thing. If you uh, if you got a crackpot theory, don't make me work for it in the mailbag. Like, don't say, "What do you think of this?" Like, cite your evidence because I can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's already hard enough to think about it and then like, okay, well, what does uh, – what's the form? What's the context? That's like a 15, 20-minute process and, yep. you know, like it, why do you think that? Like thinking up a crazy theory is the easy part. Fitting yeah. it with the evidence is, is the hard thing and that's no. what I have to do <laughs> no, to no, present no. on the podcast. No, no, no. You're doing it the wrong way if you're fitting your theory with the evidence. you got to fit <laughs> the – you got to base the theory on the evidence. Yes, that's what. Yes, yes, that's what I mean. And then also a deal, deal with things that are contrary to your theory. Yes, and either modify yeah. your theory or explain why those things. It's called the scientific process, bitch. Indeed. indeed. <laughs> um, Science, bitch. What else? Do I, so there's a couple things I want to talk about just with Meg's first experience with Jarden. Yeah. So the timeline of this is it's two years and one day after her mother dies, right? That she's on the bus, the the Jarden. It's not. It's not on the. Yeah. It's not on the anniversary though. I don't. I don't think so. But I'm not. I'm not sure about. But it's two it. years. Two years. It's one after, year before yeah. the original season, and two years after the departure. And she's riding down there with her boyfriend, her I guess fiance. Uh, pr- probably. I don't they proposed, but they haven't set a date. Yeah. And um. We we found a couple things. First of all, I thought the rangers seemed over more friendly. Well, they just started out. You know, it's only been two months. This is an old hat yet for them. They, so. And plus, like, probably the uh, troublemakers on the outside haven't set up shop yet. Yeah. Or at least they're not militant about it yet. Yeah. So I think maybe they're just more open and friendly because everybody else is open and friendly about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we found out that the crack that we've long thought was due to an earthquake was actually a gas line explosion. Pretty benign. Do you remember that in season one there was a similar gas line explosion in uh, uh, in Mapleton the day of because Kevin was out running and hmm. uh, it blew the manhole covers off. Yeah, you're right. Right, right before. What after does that those, say? I 
don't what other than there's some kind of special connection between those like i wouldn't it wouldn't surprise let's put it this way wouldn't surprise me to find that the perth australia has its manhole covers burnt off <laughs> blown off too sure maybe there's perth australian people we don't have manhole covers yeah this i mean there, we know that there's some sort of seismic activity we call them joey holes down here involved in this stuff so i mean maybe it's not like oh they're gas lines are breaking all across the nation it's just like these gas lines broke because of earthquakes that happened. Mm. I don't know. So she goes to visit. It seems like the whole purpose of her, her visit, which she did not share with her boyfriend, was to visit Isaac the psychic. And we get the impression that she's been to a lot of psychics. Yeah. Uh, so he does. He, he doesn't do. He, there's a couple of interesting things here. He doesn't do the palm read. He makes some kind of bolus and then has her chew it up and spit it in his hand. Yeah. And then he reads some future, and he's saying he wants to know what she wants to know. And she said that my mother, right before I put nose candy up my nose for the final time, she had something she wanted to say. And then I came back, she had a heart attack. What was that thing? Because a speech about like you're going to be disappointed in the results, and she starts calling bullshit. And he says walnuts, which to me says psychic. Okay, like how could he possibly know this information? I've got a couple of ideas. Okay, we need to talk about him. So we know we know that her boyfriend is getting sick of this routine. Right? Like he's he seems like he's and to the extent that she's hiding it from him and he's kind of like rolling his eyes. What mm-hmm. if he's like going through a browser history yeah. or somehow he smoked at it she's going to this. So she he calls up Isaac to tell her him things that he needs to know so she will feel like it's done so that he can get his girlfriend back. Okay. That's one possible That's, way. That is possible. We also know that it's a it's a well-known, you know, like a televangelist trick to get inside information on people that are coming into their church. Think about Jarden as this walled fortress city that has an approved list of people that's coming in. What if Isaac has somehow bribed the park service to get that list of information of people coming in each day, and he selects people that uh, might have trauma – uh, and does a bunch of research and Googles some details of them from, like, you know, obituaries or whatever and uses that to – and he's got two classes of people. The people that he's got a hot dossier on, he does the spit-in-your-hand method. The people that he doesn't have any information to come to him get the palm reading that he can kind of do more just like, oh, something bad's going to happen, cold call, cold cold reading things. That so he's got the hot read and the cold read. Meg went into the hot read. Sure. That one's a little more dubious to me because I don't know that – in anywhere in someone's obituary, they would mention that she sent a salad back just before she died because it didn't have any wa- – because it had walnuts on it. I could see like, that I being don't... a color. Like she was so polite and so unassuming that you know she apologized But that's for... not a defining thing about I get, her. Like no. I can't imagine could that you see it being, that information Could you see anywhere. it like if they interviewed her like on a local newspaper that's online that she had mentioned that tidbit and they'd make it to the paper? Yeah. I mean that that's why I say it's dubious at best because – but. The fact Maybe, that he's got these but... two separate processes, and we saw that John got a fairly conventional cold reading. Yeah, yeah. And then Meg got this different thing. Like, I feel like there's something there. Uh, now, I'm open to the idea that he's psychic. I mean, now that but, I've gone full supernatural, dream warrior Yeah, I'm bullshit, worried. I'm a little worried. I, I'm definitely I'm a little worried that you become a credulous moron, honestly. Psychic Isaac. Why not? <laughs> it, it rhymes. Yeah. It, what could be better? The other thing is, like, he feels like... He, I, I feel like if he's a charlatan, he would 
have given it up in the face of getting his house burnt down. Okay. Yeah. Like, I guess he did, but then when, like, you know, when the chips were down and he's like, you know, fuck you, dude, I'm real. Yeah. I, I don't know. That, that doesn't I, – I, I'm more inclined to believe he's a psychic. And honestly, if we go through next week and we don't get, like, a, a scene of him doing something crazy or getting a tip from the boyfriend or any of those things, which I kind of expect. But if we don't get it, I kind of will presume that that's a real psychic power. That's where I'm at already. So yeah. we're, we're good okay. on right. that front. But I, I don't know that I need to necessarily go back and find out. So there are a couple of people who have spoken to a couple of other people, things that we haven't heard. And mm-hmm. and Meg with Isaac is one of those, right? Presumably he told her after he did his walnut trick what she was going to ask. What, did you think, what do you think that is? I have no idea. I have, I have a, a couple ideas. Actually, I have one M- maybe idea. Maybe it was... I have a minute and a half left to live. <laughs> um, I think it's a knock-knock joke. Okay. Uh, All right. Because well, um, – so someone suggested that, and when I was watching my subsequent if, – if you look at what her mom says, and she doesn't say, like, oh, there's something important I've been meaning to say. As she gets up almost in off afterthought, it's like, oh, I just remembered something I wanted to tell you. You tell a person – it seemed like a just a kind of an anecdote. Like that feels like something a mom would do. Like I'm going to tell you a stupid knock-knock joke. Yeah, this woman's only shifty. Take a I, don't, I don't know how I to read it. her. I get it. Their relationship's all over the map. Yeah. but I, I get what you're saying. And, and it also, feels more like a kid to me who would be like, oh, I have something to tell you, dad. Knock-knock, pull my finger, yeah. eat a bag of dicks, like yeah. that sort of stuff. But also I think that – it would tie if she did that. It tie in nicely that that's what she tells Evie. That's what Evie told John. You know, somehow Evie and Meg are working in conjunction. Like this was a formative moment for them, and it would be nice if that some innocuous remark from her mother. Well, actually, it would be through from her mother through Isaac, if you believe he's psychic. I, I like the symmetry of that, and I like how disappointing that would actually be. Yeah, like just a knock knock joke. Yeah, was the last thing. So some people said it's something about I want you to get pregnant because that was sure, mirror. But that, that, yeah. I don't like that theory because I seemed like she was worried about getting her married, and she, and and Meg yep. was already blowing her shit about that and being hassled, like throwing it on top of. Uh, well, I mean, of course, there's probably a lot of women say, yeah, that's how moms do. So they get they get grandchild crazy and wedding crazy, and they put a bunch of pressure on you and. So bottom line, it doesn't matter what this what they said to her. It's what she does afterwards, right? She comes out of that meeting uh, disappointed with Miracle to the point where she's hell-bent on destroying it, actually. Does she? I think so. The way she's looking out that bus, she spits on the ground as she leaves. She's looking out that bus, kind of surveying it, saying, "What can I? What, how can I get But is that because she people? thought it was bullshit, or did she thought it was the truth, and the truth disillusioned her? Both good questions. I, uh, both possibilities. But I you're don't right. Know. Like, it was... Uh, uh, the first time I watched it, it was so surreal to see the, the music kind of swelling to a crescendo, and then her spitting on the ground and it drops to zero. Like, wow, that's an interesting moment for her to spit, <laughs> but you're right. She... That's something you do when you just hate something. You don't yeah i've never seen her spit before if she was yeah. like chewing maybe yeah. i mean that there was no <laughs> I, normal the, she but... wasn't spitting at baby carrots no no so she went back for seconds on the baby carrots something he told her was not cool with her yeah and i think that's like also the kind of downer that evie was like everyone comes here looking for something and they never find it yeah it never helps them i thought that's interesting too mm-hmm. um 
Yeah, and I mean, you can almost say that, like, Evie had some small part in setting Meg off on her mission, right? Like, this idea that th- th- these people have this feeling that they haven't been touched by any of this. Mm-hmm. And when she was so intimately touched by it, I mean, you look at, like, her mom died the day before, and she's mourning her, and she's yeah. trying to, you know, all her attention is there, and everyone else's attention is completely on something else. No one gives a shit, like Isaac says. Right. Uh, that idea that then these people kind of don't give a shit about the rest of the world that has had this sudden departure, uh-huh. that's offensive to her, I think. Yeah. And there's, there's something like, I'm, I'm not sure totally why she joins up with the guilty remnant uh, as far as like wanting to get back at Miracle through that. So like, there's something with like remembering her mom or... Do you think, and I and it's like, I wish I had time to watch all of season one because I right. would like to get the background, yeah. but there's some ideas kicking around of that maybe Meg, because her mom said something interesting in their conversation is, you know, um, oh man, what was the exact quote? You're the most relentless person I know when you have a cause. Yeah. So what are the odds that the most relentless person with a cause comes out of the Jordan, cools her heels for one year, and then joins the guilty remnant? She got on that yeah, DOS. I, I wonder if there's a way somehow that she's always intended this to happen. Like she joined the guilty remnant with this express uh, desire to co-opt wow. it and to pervert it and to turn it into her own cause. And, is, and, and that's why there's this odd symmetry between her and Tommy. They're both running cults they don't believe in for very different purposes. Yeah, I mean, that Cause it, that says a lot. I mean, it it changes the perspective on her sure. joining up originally and kind of her sadness and, and that her doesn't track, lost feeling. That doesn't track correctly from what I remember, you know, because the guilty yeah. remnant got her dossier and then they stalked her and then she was resistant and then she joined and then... I, I, I mean, that's a James Bond level of master plan villain, right? Yeah. Yeah, so playing the long game, and I don't. I, and like, so if she's there's a lot of questions about how I'm trying to delay, but maybe not. Maybe we should just go into it now. Yeah. Um, why? How did Evie and Meg get in contact? Uh, Evie randomly walked up. No, no, no I, I get that. <laughs> okay, but so she knew her name. Yeah, and Meg knew hers. Presumably, it's a lot harder to find a Meg from upstate New York, which I don't even think. You know, it's a lot harder to find a random Meg in America than it is to find an Evie that lives in Jarden. Sure. Uh, so Meg reached out to her, right? I assume so, and I assume there are some implications. Do you think we'll actually? I do. I, I feel like it's. It's. I kind of don't want to speculate on this because I feel like it's next episode. This is all going to be cleared up. You're right. Yeah. So I, I'm going to speculate a little. I think okay. Evie is involved in whatever plan. Meg's got going. Well, the doy, son. <laughs> uh, but so do you think that, I mean, so Meg contact, but it's like, was it was a before before or after the Guilty Remnant, that you join the Guilty Remnant and see all the crazy things they're going into and seeing the potential and then like, hey, I met you last year and you seem to be sad and kind of dis- disillusioned about this place. We should get together and topple it. Like I'm, I, I. It's hard for me to understand how exactly they made this connection and this plot. And I, I, I hope they address it. I think they need to address it, or else it's kind of going to fall flat on for me. Yeah, and I'm trying to figure out how much of her father there is in Evie, like his uh, philosophy on the whole situation. 
like with specifically with miracle like is she as militant as he is about no miracles and miracle does that contribute to her doing this gr thing uh is or is she trying to teach him a lesson about miracles and miracle like i'm I'm having a hard time piecing that together, which I, I just don't think there's enough info there. Well, yet. that's the other thing I thought was interesting is that in, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I feel like we were one of the ones in, in front of this, but something I noticed about the girls' behavior, like they were very publicly bubbly and everything cool, but every time we saw them, the girls alone, it was no music, stone face, yeah. a very guilty remnant in retrospect. Yeah, so I got to imagine even when Kevin moved there, maybe yeah. Meg was in contact. Well, here's another. So here's another. Let's talk about. Let's talk about this. Meg's yeah. cell phone has a cricket sounding ringtone. Oh, does it? Yeah, I didn't notice that. I was it so focused on lot, white lines. It sounds like when she when she answers the phone in the car, it sounds like a lot like the cricket that was driving John to distraction. Now, on the one hand, well, that's super cool. Like if Evie and her have a secret burner cell phone that they're yeah, keeping uh-huh. in touch with. That sounds that's really cool and very thematically interesting. On the other hand, it's also incredibly stupid to have your super secret cult phone blasting out the cricket noise on max volume, annoying the shit out of your dad and having him look having all him over look the, for it and what tear the fi- house apart. Yeah. yeah, but I guess if it's on your person and like it seems like maybe Evie took a perverse pleasure in that, and she's clearly a disturbed young woman at this point. I think we can safely say, yeah, yeah, you joined the guilty remnant cult. You're 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 disturbed. Uh. Yeah, I but there's something something tying that through line. And also I mean maybe Evie just felt the sudden departure deeper than most of the people in Jarden. She did seem despite very despite not not having lost anyone. Yeah. But she sympathized with people outside maybe a little bit. Yes. More. She's kind of like a, the same level as Tommy. Um the other thing is the last time we heard the cricket was with Erica sitting alone at the house. Hmm. Does that imply if if we go with the cell phone uh, line of thought? Because we've never heard it since. Is Erica in on the plot? And 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 what and what new light does it shed on the conversation she was having in sign language with her mother, where her mother was signing back, "Don't worry, it's going to be fine." All that was was Erica having like a Christ-like uh, you know crisis of faith in the Garden of Gethsemane. She's praying for this cup to be removed from her. Is her mom involved with it? Is that part of the plans to jet? Like, how deep does this, uh, this cave go? So I can't imagine that her mom has any idea where Evie is. Because why bury did, these fucking birds? She's putting on a master class she of is. acting, even when she's by herself resurrecting birds. Yes, I, I can't imagine that possibility being true. So what the fuck was with like that's that's the fatal flaw of the if you yeah. don't buy Erica being involved and I don't because it makes a lot of her actions that are in very strong episodes intentionally misleading. Yeah, which is a guilty remnant thing. Uh, yeah, but no one else sees those. Like, like yeah, the, you the said, bird thing, yeah. only the audience does. It's intentionally misleading for the audience. Yeah, which is dishonest. That's the fatal. And... Th- that's a fatal flaw in the cricket thing. And so I don't know. Maybe the cri- the cricket is just is just thematic. It just ties. It could be. I'm surprised they haven't it's, gone it's, back to. It's another clue that shows. Well, we still don't know what's in that goddamn box. It, I, yes, that's where I was going. Like we speculated on the cricket being in there. Is there something that's tipping John off? Maybe to what's going to happen in Miracle, in Jarden. In the box? Yeah. I don't... Why would why would Evie do that? 
to spare him maybe i d- i don't know i don't know to spare the family like say it's not a guilty room hey thing. get out of here if you i mean do you believe that bad. she's a true blue believer or not because if you do then i don't think she spares her dad shit yeah it's tough to say i mean we don't up and until also, today i that, would never that, have guessed. That angry baseball toss yeah. they had like there was a lot of like an angry, resentful energy, and then she broke it with the joke. But if that was the nexus of her and Meg's relationship, that puts a lot darker spin on it. Yeah. So, uh, what if it's like a detonator? I mean, that's, that's the I thing. Like, why would you give that dead. days before? Yeah. Like, or he maybe could open even it a week, or several weeks. Like, yeah. Like, I. It's got to be something that that. Uh, Will they open the gift in the final episode? Yeah, I think they have to. It's hey, Chekhov's please, gift. Please. Uh, do you think it's going to be the Don't Forget Me lighter? Maybe. That would be interesting. Maybe. That's something that Meg recovered and then re-gifted uh-huh. and then was re-gifted again. Like, I don't know what that would mean, but I could see that being, you know, with a bunch of the fucking Leftovers music swelling, I could see that being an effective payoff somehow. Yeah. Can we talk? So, so while we're talking about Meg, uh, what about her being called onto the carpet with the guilty remnant? There's a, we we got a lot just, of information I, about that. Yeah, so I don't. This is the nexus of of me hating this character. This scene here. Okay. Like I, this scene and the scene with Matt, I just don't. People who are obviously disingenuous and won't admit it. Like I, I hate that. That's like my kryptonite. But, like, I know you're lying. You know you're lying. The people next to me know you're lying. Fuck you. Tell the truth. See, I don't think this was made because mostly that's a, a, what a stupid person does when they're confronted with a smarter person. Uh, I feel like Meg's doing this as like, y- you know I'm up to something and you know I'm lying, but you're too chicken shit to do anything about it. That's the and thing. My, I, this is why my philosophy is greater than yours because you are weak yeah. and powerless and I am powerful. What I want this lady to do, the the higher up in the GR – is to take her out of the equation. Like, say, Stoner? you're no longer sanctioned. Stoner, if that's what they want to do with their members, sure. Uh-huh. T- take her out of the You know. You know. You understand the situation. Mm-hmm. Do something about it. And but you're right. She calls her out. She says, smiles and, and lies through her teeth. Yeah, and I feel like that was the point. And if, if yeah, if the lady did that, then maybe just... Meg, Meg would be like, oh, well, I guess I judged you guys wrong. You guys are. I mean, that would... It's like almost like Meg is the guilty remnant for the guilty remnant. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd go that far, but hmm. I, I see what you're saying. She's the gadfly saying, you guys are even forgetting the message. What the yeah. fuck? Well, she wants to... I, I feel like the guilty remnant has a timeline on which they operate, and they're they're very patient, whereas yeah. Meg is not. Meg wants results immediately, and she's going to go out and get them. Uh, consequences be damned. Because right, so if she executes a plan and shit breaks bad in Miracle, I mean, now she's messing with the government directly, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Miracle is – Jarden is run by the yes, government at this point. Feds. So she's going to have – she's going to bring a lot more heat down on the GR. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what we found about here. Uh, she they, – they, they throw in her face that she didn't take care of Tommy. Uh, they so talk is she about... a special task force assigned to – to smoke out and eliminate Tommy. I don't know. Or was Tommy and Mape largely upstate New York phenomenon? So it's like as as the new house mother of the former Patty house that that was just her kind of responsibility. 
Eh, maybe. It's kind yeah. of you know, kind of the way you talk to regional manager. Sales in your district are low. What's your problem? It's not that they're a super troubleshooter. It's just this was her regional problem to deal with. Uh, we find that there's rumors of plastic explosives connected to her house. Yeah, that she's been contacting the heads of other houses, which apparently is is not uh, allowed. They talk about typical rebellion. They talk about the stuff. school incident, but they also refer to an incident about dogs. Yeah, which, which is a little bit of the is Kevin working with the GR secretly because you know him and his his buddy the the dog hunter Dean yeah. were out hunting dogs, the wild dogs at night. And and bother and, and and making people feel weird about that. That's a little one of the legs that that theory stands on. I, I like to think that she went to like I don't know the animal shelter and dressed all the dogs up in white, <laughs> taped cigarettes Got to their mouths, to and nicotine. then released them into the town. <laughs> um, well, so how does this also this dog thing tie into Tommy later witnessing a woman abandoning a, a dog? I Good was, question. Because I first thought maybe that was a woman who's becoming a guilty remnant mer- person because she's wearing a coat. But, you know, lots of women wear white coats, and she was plain clothes underneath. Yeah, yeah. Like, you have to give away your dog as your I first I was confused test. by that scene. I don't know exactly what it's supposed to mean, too. I mean, on, one, on the most obvious level, it's just where people's attachment are, you know. Yeah. That you just, ab- you know, just dogs you got, you just abandon it and... And does Tommy feel like the the dog on the street that he was abandoned by? I mean, his he's mother? got to his mother, his his stepfather. And that dog his was very 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 good acting job of the week. That dog looks sad as hell. Yeah, and confused. What did I do wrong? And reality, dog, you didn't do anything wrong. Your owner's just an asshole. Yeah, I mean, this Tommy could I have a lot say of that, Tommy. Tommy, issues. you did nothing wrong. Your mother's just an asshole. Yeah, and I don't know what happened to his father. Did, did they say that in that bar scene? No, or? his fa- his father's a massive asshole. He still remember he went to go confront him. And, oh, that's right. And Kevin yeah, had yeah. to come. Yeah, I forgot about that. There's a lot of bad blood there. So his yeah. dad just fucked off and decided he didn't want to have him. As so abandonment issues run in this sure, guy's life. Sure. Like, <laughs> but like you know, damn the show. I'm looking to what what does the sad dog mean? Other than like that's an obvious thing. It's, but there's got a reminder. Be, yeah, we've got to go deeper. Sure, got to blast the bottom of this lake out. Uh, speaking of, so, so there's this Dobbs Ferry thing, which is probably the boring bullshit thing that, uh, that, that's not cool enough for the likes of Patty and Meg. I didn't look up anything, the Dobbs Ferry or anything like that. I, I assumed it was another plot that they had going this year. Oh, of year. course. That's what I'm saying. But okay. I, I doubt we ever find out what it was supposed to be. I think we'll is. be more focused on Meg's plot. Exactly. Yeah. So I didn't, didn't, uh, pry up that a little bit. Uh, so we, we we talk about this plastic explosives deal. There was a popular theory going around after this episode that this is evidence that Meg actually triggered the explosion that drained the lake. I don't think there's evidence the there. And, well, the only evidence is we've always thought, like, you know, how many coincidences can you have in one, you know, in one timeline before it gets crazy? If there was an actual free moral agent behind the earthquake – that resolves a lot of the coincidence and the timing with Evie and her friends. I mean, if she, yes. if Meg is like physically there on scene and she, yeah, like, like they decide Evie to stage their point. disappearance at the exact moment an earthquake happens. But also, they decide to stage their disappearance when they see Meg. Like they're just like, okay, GR is the thing for me. We all three agree. Yeah, Let's we don't go. know enough, but I just feel like that. I, I. So why don't you like this theory? 
It's not that I don't like it. I just don't think there's anything concrete pointing to it. No, no, I'm not saying this is concrete. I'm just saying yeah. this is an interesting thing. They're talking about plastic explosives. I assume that when they're talking about rumor and Meg gives an enigmatic smile, that that's a fact. She has gotten Me her too. hands on plastic yeah. explosives. I previously thought that she'd packed a trailer full of them. Yes. But since it's full of just a payload of girls, I'm now thinking that maybe she's already used the plastic explosives. Or maybe she's yeah, raised so the bridge to explode. Hell, I don't know. I have a big question about the trailer, but okay. we'll we'll get there. I I think this this idea that Meg was on scene when Kevin was there, blew a hole in the rock bed of the river, draining all the water, and at the same time recruited Evie and friends. No, she didn't from, recruit from them from their the car. These people have been working for, on this for months. So they snuck the year. explosives in. Evie snuck the explosives in and blew up the river, drained it. Was that why the girls have been spending so much time at the river? Uh, maybe so. Like they, they've been covertly implanting explosives and... Yeah, I just don't... There's not quite enough there yet. Yeah, no, I get it. But but, but there are clearly links between Evie, uh, Liv Tyler, Meg, whatever, yeah. uh, and and that location, right? Mm-hmm. Necessarily. So I I think speculation is warranted. Uh, as As far as this trailer goes, there's a flash of it when Megan in is being inquisited yep. upon. She goes, are you going to be there for, you're not planning your own action, and it's just a subliminal shot of this being, I think it's either parked or, I couldn't tell if it's moving it's or not. still. I think it's, it's a, a still. still. I don't think the people in the shot are moving at all. Yeah. So I think it's just a still frame. Which but it's that, that trailer parked on the bridge of Jarden. Either parked or crossing the bridge. I'm not yeah, sure. You get it right. That's what I'm so saying. So like, when is that from? Is that her envisioning the upcoming plan, or is that her remembering how they kind of snuck Evie in with plastic explosives or something? Hmm. Like, I mean, I guess there's questions right. there, but, but it is seems that, like they're is going that a to flashback of her remembering how they got the girls back into the city. Although I don't think they're in Jarden; I think they're on the outskirts of Jarden. How they is got that them, them out? going out? Maybe no, I I think it's more likely that it's a flash forward because her, I, I, I can't imagine the plan. Uh, so who? Because we see that they check people coming out of Jarden and coming into Jarden. Yeah, except if you're like a John Murphy and you can bullshit your way through. Um, I'm trying to think who on the inside would be would have helped them do this. Is a person that I mean, we had to have met. Yeah. Again, Erica. I don't. It like. can't be Erica. It can't be. Can it be? Is this something that it can't uh, be John? Is this something that Michael and uh, Virgil have been working on? Maybe. Although no, Maybe. Michael thinks his 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 sister disappeared. Unless again, yeah. that scraping off the sign that only he did in the middle of the night was for right. I mean, so it's like that just doesn't fit either. Yeah. So this has got to be a future occurrence, right? Like she's envisioning how the plan is going to go. Yes. And we know that Evie and her friends are in that trailer. Mm-hmm. Will they still be in the trailer in the future, or is this trailer going to be used, packed with explosives, yeah, blow the, the bridge out? The trailer up. could just be a place for them to lie low and no one see them, so it's a surprise. Yeah. Uh, or they could be being snuck back in as a message. Like, sure. You thought there was a second sudden departure. Ha ha, how does it feel? Yeah. Uh, now you should be, you should be sympathizing with us. Did you see any of the theories about the, the, to- the connection? Because uh, some people ro- erroneously pointed out that there was three nooses on the bridge of Kevin's dream uh, that was on fire. That's erroneous. Yeah, no, there there's, weren't. There's many. It looks like there's at least five. Oh, okay. But if there was, when I first yeah, saw yeah. that theory, I'm like, three. Oh shit! 
somehow, like, now I'm back on the, this is a supernatural thing, and, like, because that's a guilty remnant thing. Have the girls disappear, everybody shows, oh, my God, they're back, they put on nooses and, and hang themselves <laughs> on the gates Here's of your paradise. Reminder. Forget <sighs> this. <laughs> that would be fucking crazy. Sure. But with there being more than three nooses, I don't know. The driver and passenger, like, like Meg and... Yeah, plus with, with Meg, like... With Meg saying that uh, – with her conversation with Matt, which we'll get to here in a bit, uh, her saying that you guys have been waiting for me. This feels like she's leading an assault on the gates of Jarden. Like she wants yeah. to open it up for all the people and the girls hanging themselves. I guess that would be a big distraction. But A lot of people talked about that dream saying there's nobody in the, the city outside of Jarden, mm. like this makeshift Burning Man type city. In his dream, does that lead to – a a an idea of a flood flowing back into Jarden, a flood of people yeah. that Meg is going to lead. Sure, uh, I don't know. That's an interesting idea as well. Well, if you also think about what one something else Erica said, because you know water's been really important this season. I don't know sure. if you heard that, uh, <laughs> but Erica mentioned that when you know the the bathroom got flooded, that Michael was like you know coward and terrified, but Evie was standing there like Moses parting the waters. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's like if Evie's involved with this lake drying out, then she's literally dried up the waters, and sh- like the idea, back the idea of Moses was he was leading Egyptians. his people out of bondage into the promised land. It makes more sense for Evie and her friends to somehow lead the spearhead of a charge against the rangers. Okay. And, you know, like if they're walking in front of them, are the rangers going to open fire? Like how far are they going to take this? I don't know. Sure. Just watch Stargate. I know that children's shields are effective. <laughs> they're a thing. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, should we talk about Tommy and Meg? Or I'm not, yeah, Tommy, Meg, and Lori. Should we talk about that a bit? Yeah, let's talk about their journey. Uh, so Tommy, he's not a true believer in the Wayne thing, it doesn't seem like. Uh, he's just disillusioned that they're doing this thing and that his mom's pimping him out. Uh, it seems like Meg really shook him up by showing up and offering to give him a hug for real or saying, I can do this for real. Yeah. And I'm not sure what she means. Like, I mean, we have certainly broached the topic of suicide with the GR, right? Mm. I mean, that's not a taboo necessarily for them. Uh, or at least martyrdom. Yeah. Could that be a possible solution for Tommy's pain? Well, of course. I mean, it's a pretty dark solution. Yep. And I don't know how he's going to react to it if she suggests that. But five nooses could be the three girls, Tommy and her, and uh, Meg, hmm. if you want to go there. Well, like I said, it's, there's at least five nooses. Oh, at least? I, yeah. Okay. It's like, it, the, you know, the, the, the bridge is big. Yeah. It goes way off in the distance, and, and we're in the middle and way off in the foreground. You can just see at least five nooses. But I'm, I'm thinking, like, so Patty was clearly telling Kevin to kill himself. Virgil was telling him to kill himself. Could mm-hmm. could there be something to to that idea of suicide being the solution to Tommy's problems? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's it not seems, off the table, at least. It seems what really bothered Tommy is watching other people commit suicide. So it's like that feels like it's weird. You know, that's that's the kind of triggering event that seemed to traumatize him and going Okay. Make him feel wounded somehow by the event watching his other friends be so damaged by it that they killed themselves yeah um so i don't know that doesn't feel like appropriate to zark but I, I mean, i'm not taking it off the table i mean but then then again you throw some some light on that by saying well patty's 
Patty says that Kevin was lashing out against something he deeply believed. So, like, there's also that angle, too, right? You want to hear some biblical allusions that I haven't seen anyone mention yet? Sure. Uh, Lori comes home and berates Tommy for missing an opportunity to hug 30 people for money. Mm-hmm. Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and then hung himself. Okay. As Bible tradition. It's true, yeah. He, he was so distraught Didn't by... he try to hang himself, but he well, dashed so himself I, on the rocks I, that, below? That's what... Uh, so the, 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 the fact is that the mm. Bible gives two contradictory right. accounts. Surprise, and surprise. Christian apologists... <laughs> so, so one says he threw himself off a cliff. One says he hung himself. And, and uh, biblical apologists say what really happened is he hung himself, the rope broke. Sure. And I think that's like the Christian tradition. That's how you, that's how you yeah. square that... that that's how you round off that square corner. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, he he hung himself and the rope broke and his body burst on the rocks below. So I I don't know I I, I didn't even make the whole hang himself uh, connection until you mentioned it, but I thought it was you know an intentional choice that you got this him being disgusted with this money and the thirty huggies and that that's all kind of interesting. Okay. Um, and then, wow, Lori really doesn't come off very well in this episode. No, not at all. Gives him the slap a roof for telling her truth. And I think it's it's solved a lot of our questions about, you know, who was the instigator of this plan. Yes. Right? I mean, Lori, clearly. Yes. Lori is like, let's spin this Holy Wayne story. And Tommy says that. And he clearly wasn't cool with it the whole time. Yeah, no. So in I fact, was way he's kind off. of an amazing actor. That he's able to pull off this true believer facade yeah, with this much, like I kind of thought, like maybe he had some nagging doubts, but he doesn't seem like he's on board it at all. Well, he was under the tutelage of Holy Wayne, so yeah, he learned a lot. Yeah, but no, I feel like uh, he did tell her the truth about she's doing this to take away the pain of leaving her whole family, so she doesn't have to run over guilty and people anymore. Epic slap. I mean, it's the kind of slap you see coming, and it's also not a like a, it's, not, a, it's not like exactly a crime of passion because it's not like they're standing next to each other and exactly. she just snapped and slapped. She moved furniture, uh-huh. crossed the hall, took her purse off her arm, and slapped him. <laughs> it was it, there was a I mean, little and, bit of thought involved. And from the other side, there's some thought in like I see the slap coming, mom, but I'm not going to block it, and I'm going to make a point by storming out. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. It's calculated on Tommy's part as well. Yeah. Uh, so, continue this plot line. Tommy crashes the guilty rim and it demands to talk to Meg. Wants a whistle to be fucking drunkenly blown. crashes it. He gets he gets the shit beat out of him. Uh, and I think this is after he spent the night on Again. the park bench and uh, you know saw the dog thing. Yeah. Uh, and then he gets the shit beat out until Meg arrives and. So she, he says, why, you said you could do it yourself. She goes, why don't you hug yourself? That kind of ties into the suicide. All right. A little bit, right? Or am I, I crazy? I suppose so. This is, this is, this is organic theory making. I, this is not in my notes. I'm just like, oh, shit. You know, you've really made me think about the suicide angle. Yeah, I mean, I think what she's actually doing there is just saying, if your shit works so well, hug yourself. Like, she's saying, Physician, your stuff doesn't myself. work. I know you're full of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they, get, they, they, she decides, uh, cause he says, if I wanted a family, I would have gone down to Texas and been with my real one, which seems to surprise and delight Meg Yeah, and says, Hey, I'm going down there myself. You should go with me. This is a, uh, an amazing bit of acting mm-hmm. from Liv Tyler. I just, I love her cackling. It's Joker-esque. The, the sheer coincidence of it all. Yeah. Uh, the, what is it called? Uh, serendipity. Yeah. I think is the word for that. 
Yep. Uh, well, is it serendipity or is it some other um, synchronicity? Uh, I think it's serendipity. All right. But... Yeah, serendipity. It was a, the, the shitty John Cusack movie. Or yeah. was it? The was occurrence, the occurrence and development of events by chance in a happier, beneficial way. Serendipity. Sure. All right. Uh, there, there's your grammar. There's your uh, vocabulary lesson for the day. So they go down to Texas, and in the middle of the night, she's kind of she gets takes the phone call. That's how we get the the chirp, uh, cricket, yeah. uh, cricket sound. She's got white lines, Grandmaster Flash blaring in the background, sure. which I love it. You I know, thought it was you know, totally perfect. You know, white lines is essentially the hip hop version of Master of Puppets. It's a cautionary tale about cocaine. Sure, sure. Okay. I mean, when when they say white lines go away and they yell, uh, what is it, rock and and blow? I think is uh-huh. the two things they yell or yeah. crack and blow. Yeah, you, you kind of get the idea. Yeah, um, but it's not a a glorifying song. It's a certainly yeah. starts off sounding like it's pretty cool and fun, but by the time you know if you if you stayed and listened to the lyrics through the uh, credits. It's it's like I said. It's I it, I already said it. It's it's the hip hop version of Master of Puppets. What else can I say? I mean, you, that you said it all. You're yeah. Right. Um, they go to a honky. The, the, Tom wants to know why he fucked her. Why she fucked him? Good question, Tom. I mean, interesting the way he framed that too. Like, not why did you sexually assault me? Why did you rape me? Why did you fuck me? Okay, where are Which, you going with that? Uh, nothing. I just think, right. I just I thought is interesting how he himself framed the incident sure it says nothing about I mean, she it doesn't change the fact that she raped him but it yeah. tells a little bit about how he sees himself and her yes and and it lends a little bit of believability i guess to the following scenes where they're dancing together and he's kind of being taken in once again yeah no her. i mean i just look you don't have to convince me that tommy would find her intriguing and attractive yeah and like if nothing else from a two wounded spirits doing bizarre shit angle um <laughs> when know. he asks what's happening right now i'm like you're being manipulated dude that's yeah. what's happening right yeah. now uh like, and too dumb to see it but. yeah he's like so why'd you fuck me oh let's stop at his honky tonk and go dancing and they kind of talked about meg's life how her dad died when she was very young then she was adopted just like tommy by elliot who uh, then abandoned her again mm-hmm. uh, I, only a year after making things ever it was official, which you, you start thinking like, man, that's a lot of, that's already kind of fucked up. Like what does that do to a five or six year old that this new band comes in? I want you, I want us to be a real family and the judge is giving you yeah. a lollipop and how happy you must've been year later, but literally gone um, a lot of, and, and she's, you know, doing cocaine to deal with her mother. And like, there's, there's a lot of, People saying that Meg's a bitch and I don't like her and all this, and I know you're saying that, but not in the same way. I no, feel like certainly. you're making the same mistake we made in season one, where like Patty's just this dumb bitch that we hate, and like I bet in season three we're going to find out some really sobering things about Meg, and we might uh, appreciate I mean, her more as a character. I feel like we've we've seen a lot about Meg already. Like yeah. I get why she's kind of the way she is. I just don't. I don't like it. Yeah. I reflexively. I, w- I will say that as much as I like uh, Liv Tyler, she's no Ann Dowd as far as just sheer cinematic presence. Yeah. Like, she, I don't think she has that gear. So I, I wouldn't look forward to her ghost haunting Tommy. Okay. But she's doing, she's doing really good with what the, the work that she's, there, she's been given. Yeah. yeah. Uh, her mom got launched in outer space. Like, I feel like that's a significant... $12,000. So... I'm I'm a little concerned about this twelve thousand dollars. So I took the twelve thousand, uh, and her kind of said, "Oh, it's totally worth it." It's kind of like being ironic because why does it even matter? 
and like she's talking about her mom's feelings as if she's a living person. Oh, she doesn't want to be in a box. Doesn't want to be in the ground. A little bit of, a uh, little bit of, uh, also a connection to Kevin, who's literally buried alive and and, yeah. and came out or buried dead and came back to life. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I thought it's it was evidence as, along with her mother offering to pay for the wedding that this is just her family's affluent. They dropped twelve thousand on launching her into space like nothing. Yeah, you might be right. I. For some reason, I had this idea that whatever she, whatever Isaac told her was, was kind of, you know, disappointing to her, and she didn't totally believe it. And like that a maybe knock, like, knock joke, so. yeah, yeah, that would be real disappointing. <laughs> it would. It'd be such a cosmic joke, man. That's why I love it so much. The idea it's just a knock knock joke. <laughs> And then he demands his hundred bucks or whatever. It is. Well, I mean, the walnut is the proof. Like once he said Walmart, yeah. she just was absolutely. And I think that's another thing. If you want to study her reaction, study her reaction when she stumbles out of the house and then says, "He's not the real deal." Mm-hmm. Like she's wearing "He's the real deal" face until her boyfriend asked it, and then she turns on the facile and kind of chuckles, laughs. Yes, you know. Yes, another one down. Another psychic proved false. Yes. Like I okay. Uh, but anyway, they, they have an actual, they have an act, also her mom's really in astrology. That's another thing that I kind of want to throw out there, not for any purpose now, but to keep in mind, uh-huh. they kiss and they actually have a moment on the dance floor, which just makes me roll my eyes. I'm like, man, you, you have no idea what you're getting into here. I don't, does she have any idea what she's getting into? I mean, like, and he should. That's you think, the problem. So do you think this is she... sheer manipulation? Do you think she's, she's interested in him in some way? Like, Maybe, but man, she set you. She threatened to set you on fire. She raped you. Get out of this relationship. This could be nothing more than I want to fuck over Lori. Yeah, like this is just a. I'm just casting a wider emotional devastation net. Yeah, there was some kind of of, at least from Tommy's perspective, there was some kind of genuine moment. Uh, But then he asked, "Why did you fuck me?" And she says, "I wanted to get you pregnant." And I mean, she could maybe be identifying with him as this religious leader who's willing to do. Some less than scrupulous things yeah. to, to for to further his agenda, and yeah. that's something she identifies with, and maybe that's the connection between them. But what does "I wanted to get you pregnant" mean? Uh good question. That's it, a very odd way to to phrase that. It's potentially a mind pregnancy of that's what of I was like thinking. I wanted instilling... I wanted to implant. There's a, a the variety uh, or variety dot com. Whoever their head reviewer had a really insightful analysis of this where she said that it was planting a seed in his head uh yeah i'm meaningless and lack of control and what all unless we're dealing with straight up arnold schwarzenegger danny devito (laughs) did you see the forum post no i didn't someone doctored up the poster to put (laughs) tommy's tommy's face Uh on arnold's body and uh uh, yeah was that the who was that? Gina Davis? They put Meg Meg's face on Gina Davis's face, body. Oh, was it in the poster? Uh, but yeah, unless we're dealing with some really totally just unnatural shit. No, I don't think so. Then it's got to be some figurative pregnancy. Yeah, uh, and I I never liked the idea that she was trying to get impregnated by Tommy because I yeah yeah. There's I mean, we floated it of, just because it's. It's being talked about, and I feel like you know that's there's two services podcast provides uh, awareness of theories that you might not know, and also yeah. some light debunking of, of popular theories that are out there. Uh, you know, because it's a marketplace of ideas. The good, the strong survive. The weak are uh, 
hung off a bridge <laughs> as a warning to the others. <laughs> Potentially. We're not even sure of that. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that theory needs debunking. <laughs> uh, so the, they, they pull up to this um, compound, and there's a situation. There's a guy out in a barn who saw. He doesn't even know what he saw, but he still gets stoned to death. And here's where I really don't I, I really lose track of the plot with Tommy. He acts like I mean Who's the mastermind is what you're asking, right? It, I don't yeah, I he it's not that he doesn't have a problem with it because he clearly wants to investigate what's out in that barn. But it just felt so weird that he's like, Oh, you're just gonna stone this guy. I'm not gonna speak in the guy's defense, I'm not gonna say anything, I'm just gonna keep silent and keep watching. It felt weird to me. I'll tell you another thing. Me later, too. later that night when he gets up and checks out the barn, do you buy that all of those guilty, radicalized, guilty remnants are light sleepers or they're heavy sleepers? None of them have insomnia because they got a lot of things they're worried or thinking about, or they're excited about the next day. Like nobody follows Last Tommy out there and says, you know keeps an eye on him. I thought that yeah. was that. That's another thing. Like I felt that's... like. Tommy is a weird deus, deus ex machina, but, like, hmm. not to save the day, to destroy the day. To unveil the day for what it is. Uh, that's a good question, because I also feel like if you've got a plan that cannot that, – that needs to go off without a hitch, you put guards up there, right? Like, how does this roller skate guy get in? Yeah. What, whatever the, this guy who gets stoned, how does he get into the barn? Like, shouldn't there be a guard? Yeah, uh huh. Like they just found him in the barn, rooting so around. So is it is is this something that Meg set up as an engineered test? Because mm. she's got some interest mm. in Tommy, she wants to co-opt him. So seems like it. Yeah, you know, stone like indicting him to stone a man, uh, it, revealing her master plot. So stoning, having your. Your religious followers, your cult followers, mm-hmm. stone a man to death is the ultimate in gotcha. How? Because now they're complicit in murdering for your cause. And there is oh, no sure. there is no line which they won't cross again, right? Yeah. Like, if you can convince them to kill someone... For a very flimsy reason. You've got them. You've got them forever. And it will take especially an act of God to break them Especially from since hole. a reasonable action was to just hold him and let him go when it doesn't matter anymore. Exactly. And then melt back into wherever you guilty remnants go. So, like, I seeing that is just, like, like, mind-blowing levels of, wow, these people are really in this. Huh. Like, and, and I get, you know, okay, it's not quite as ultimate as what Gladys does, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> Offers herself up as a martyr. To be stoned to death, uh, the 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 act of stoning is not as severe as the act of being stoned, but they're on they're on par pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so we, we should talk about the Matt and Meg scene, which I thought was awesome. Oh, I love it. Number one, because Matt just goes up to Meg and, and just approaches her openly with like some kind of pleasure. Can I say? Because here's the thing: like I'm the the type of person who would never have the balls to stand outside someone's cult house, and like if if I did, I would be doing that right now. There's people that I could I could think of right now. I'd protest outside their houses if I had the gumption and the balls and okay, the, the not giving a fuck. 
if I did and I saw them later, mm-hmm. I would definitely like uh, pretend like I didn't make eye contact. I don't recognize them because I don't want round two for sure. Matt Matt's has, the kind of guy yeah. who doesn't give a fuck and also doesn't give a fuck on the comeback. Yeah, he has a certain kind of confidence to him uh, in both his uh, his d- like physical demeanor and also his mental fortitude, I guess. Yeah. There, there's some sort of unwavering thing there. And uh, can I just say Matt? Matt Jameson is turning into Rickety Cricket. Slowly but surely, oh. he is turning into – he's going to come back with a missing Yeah, he's got a hole scar. in his shirt. And... He's looking like shit. Yeah. I didn't think he looked that bad other than the, the how shabby he was dressed. He's wearing a shirt with a shoulder that's half ripped out. But where is he going to get another shirt? I'd, come on, there's no shirts in this town? In the shanty town? The first thing you do when you, you go no there money. is set up a shop. <laughs> like, buy new shirts, because you fools... Although half the women aren't wearing shirts anyway, and 90% of the men aren't. Hmm. I don't know, he's looking like Rickety Cricket more every day. Uh, but yeah, th- this showdown between them, I think, is I like it, because he smokes her out immediately. Like, I don't think you're being honest with her, but he's also intrigued like at the end when he's like do you want to know what you're waiting for he asked yeah. yes in kind of the way you would respond to jesus christ if he said would you like to know your problem yeah jim jones i'm i'm the lamb of hosts and i've come down here in flesh and blood and and i can tell you're troubled would you like to know the problem and you believed he was jesus you'd say yeah like a little boy would that's the way he said it to meg which i thought was fascinating it is. It's it's a strange like, turn. But I believed it. It's yeah, a really yeah. radical change in the power dynamic of this conversation because he had just – he actually landed. That was a pretty good tag when he mentioned the – The anniversary of her mother. And and also the fact that you fought me in this flyer and I'm not afraid of you. And she – it actually staggered her a bit. But as she came back with the, the haymaker of uh, what are you waiting for? It's right over there at the bridge. Do you want to know? And, and especially, you know, after we've – we've seen how important it was for him to get his wife back to miracle and all this stuff like or jarden uh the, the other thing is like he does the thing that i wish the the head of the gr or whoever she was would have done mm-hmm. to megan instead of asking can we trust you meg can we mm-hmm. he goes i think you're lying to me okay. i don't think you're being honest with me he confronts it as opposed to can we it's a different way to confront as one's more passive aggressive and one's more exactly uh, matt's far more direct sure and i i have a lot of respect for the guy because of that i i it's one of the multifaceted appreciations for matt jameson yeah uh the question i have is is she really lying about leaving the remnant it's very very easy to argue the fact that she has in fact left yeah and maybe she wants to destroy it i mean the only thing i can see that they're still doing is smoking well, they're also not – most of them are not talking unless she actually commands them not to. So I it's guess like so, at one yeah. point you could say like, okay, well, they're wearing plain clothes to pull off the mission. Uh-huh. We know Guilty Remnant can do that. Um, but it seems like maybe she's kind of annoyed that they're still doing a lot of the Guilty Remnant stuff. Yeah. Like I, I feel like that she's kind of the dark version of Tommy. She's co-opted yeah. a cult with full knowledge – and 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 reveling in it, and he's co-opted a cult guiltily and uh, for for positive reasons, but he 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 can't go forward to it. Where she's co-opted it for nefarious reasons, mm-hmm. and she's gleefully going forward with it. I don't know. It's it's. I think it's interesting their yin and yang routine here. Yep. Uh, we've already talked about the reveal of Evie. Uh, we talked about um, how is Erica in on it. We talked about how Evie and Meg hooked up. 
We talked about the sleepwalking Kevin being involved in uh, Guilty Remnant. Um, so the one thing I've got still to talk about before we get to feedback, maybe you've got some more things too, but there's a really bomb comment on uh, Evie as Moses, which we talked a little bit about her parting the Red Sea and the, you know, the fact that her mom called her Moses there. Um, there's this you know, historical figure, Harriet Tubman. She was like one of the leader of the Underground Railroad. She saved dozens, if not hundreds of slaves. And then during the Civil War, she personally freed several hundred or thousands of slaves in like combat operations and stuff. And she's oh. you know, obviously a, it's this towering figure in history. And, um, but there's some interesting parallels here because one of her nicknames was Moses. Okay. Uh, she also suffered from epilepsy. Harriet Tubman did. Hmm. Uh, also when I was looking into the, 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 the Reddit thread and the research, um, I guess Tubman used to use the wade in the water, uh, him as a way to remind the slaves she's freeing to like keep to the waterways and cross waters to kind of obscure your path and all that. And, you know, when Meg grinds the bus, they're all singing wade in the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, so also hmm. someone was, so this became an interesting thread because people were piggybacking kind of reminded me of the Babylon thing that I got involved with a, a while back, but someone's mentioned that there's a character called Evangeline, Evangeline in Uncle Tom's Cabin, the novel. Okay. And she's saved by drowning from the, the, the Tom who's referred to in the title. We have a Tom that's coming to Jarden. There's one of the popular theories is there's going to be hmm. a flood or something. I, I thought that was super interesting. Yeah, a lot of coincidences there. Yeah, and also and... the idea of, like, you know, she's going to free her people. Um yeah, I can't square this with the, the saving from the flood and her going to be Moses leading the people. It's, maybe I feel like the Harriet Tubman with the Moses, that's intentional and all there, especially with the wading in the water. Uh-huh. But then the Uncle Tom's Cabin is a cultural reference one too far. Hmm. Okay. But I thought that was super interesting. That, like I the said, theory. that's a lot of coincidences. Yeah. I, it makes, yeah, it really makes you think. Um, but yeah, going to wade in the water. God's going to trouble these waters. Interesting. Mm. Uh, that's all I got. Do you, you have anything more you want to get no, that's feedback? It. I think we're good. Okie doke. You know, before we get to feedback, there's one other thing that really bugged me about this episode. Hmm. What's that? The whole conversation that Meg had with her mother about loaning the money to buy the cute boots at the store. Yeah. Who, who goes to brick and mortar, you know, boot stores nowadays? Yeah. You're buying your boots online, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you, you wouldn't have to bum money off your mom or worry about bringing a wallet if, if, if you go to amazon.ballmove.com and uh, presumably you could search for cute boots. It might be a fun yeah. search. I bet, I bet you would find a pair of cute boots mm-hmm. in, in the woman, women's clothes and accessories. Uh, or if you wanted like rugged macho ass kicking boots, uh, you could search for like probably men or women's outdoor rugged wear. Like it's, it's, it's amazing all the stuff you can find. And if you use, the, the point is if you use the amazon.baldmove.com link, not only are you go to Amazon and you're taking advantage of their fantastic selection and their great shipping and their, their awesome prices, but you're also sending love to bald moves way you're you're giving us a, a little tommy hug that that makes all of our cares and troubles go away we're not gonna kill ourselves when we get this are we no there's okay. there's there's no, no hanging in our future okay this is just hugs and and we have some tears in our eyes and a smile on our face when it's all when when the exchange is all good. over and done with good so i think if people want to feel fulfilled and happy 
and want to really join the bald move cult, mm-hmm. the the only thing to do is to have at least thirty people uh, go to Amazon.baldmove.com, which we have no ability to track. Sure, we have no idea the ability to track individual orders and and, and people. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we can we can we can do that, and then maybe we can stop renting out these uh, VFW halls, mm, yeah. and you know, because that's getting expensive. We really need to find a permanent a permanent studio. I don't want to have to pimp out my son, uh, given hugs. Uh, this is getting weird and creepy, and and the people it is. Are, people are they it were is. opening the Amazon now they're shutting the windows <laughs> and they're side. This it's, it's okay. reset. Amazon.ballmove.com doesn't cost you anything. You're probably doing it anyway. It's Christmas. You need to do your shopping. You don't want to go outside, and you want to help Bald Move. All great reasons to use Amazon.BaldMove.com. Melody H., we got a couple emails that were in the very interesting last episode that we want to get through. Okay. Says, I may have missed something. Oh, this is a correction that I'm issuing on behalf of our podcast via Melody's email here. I may have missed something, but I'm in slight disagreement with you guys on the timeline of John's prison stay. From what I can remember, we've only received two references to when John was in prison. In the premiere, Erica tells a cute story about Evie and Michael flooding the bathroom when they were five or six. John asked what he said, and he replies, I was in prison, which the Garveys take as a joke, and then, of course, we know all that. In the episode where John is shot, when Erica is stitching him up, she tells Kevin that John was in when the departure happened and throughout the period when Jarden was becoming known as magical. So we know for sure that John was in prison from the time the twins were five through at least two to three years prior to the present day. That's pretty compelling evidence that, uh, you know, maybe there was something that, that done to the twins when they were very young. All right, so I, I went along with you when you said that he was in prison, when and I they and were I was born. going along with the person that that okay. was doing the speculation. This, because at some point you have to decide whether you're going to go through and watch a bunch of episodes of television. Or you're going to <clears throat> you take it at face value, and yeah, because it's there's a lot of investigate. What I'm going through is I try and, to do due diligence, but sometimes I fuck up. And during a podcast, I can't really descend because I don't have the episode in front of me, exactly, and I can't go look at it. So that's kind of where I've always stood from the beginning, okay. and why I've thought uh, that Evie and or Michael were abused by Virgil, uh, as opposed to John himself. Sure, but I. It, still, we don't have anything conclusive, and I wonder if we'll even get anything by the end of it. All right. Because they, they got to go back to Michael and Kevin yeah. in the, the final episode, and I feel if there's anything to, re, to be revealed, that's the time they'll do it. Okay. They have to, really. Sure. Unless they're not, just not going to tell us. Um, sure. Um, moving on to MB from Kentucky. In episode 202, when che- Kevin's doing all those tours and wrestling with that washer while using his earbuds, how in the world did he keep from ripping them from his ears at least three times? I know when I'm listening to podcasts while doing things around the house, I'm constantly jerking mine out and having to rewind what I'm listening to. Yeah, totally. Uh, I got a tip for you, though. Tuck your cord in your shirt. Because hmm. I do that a lot, too, and it used to happen to me all the time, especially that, that dude doing yard work. You get on and off the mower, you're trimming, and you get yanked up. Slip it through your T-shirt, seems to, and then you, you carry it in your pocket. There's a lot less cord to get snagged on. Wireless Bluetooth earbuds. It does those things. Are they bad? I just, I don't know. I have mixed feelings. Like, I like, yeah, this is not turning into headphone talk. I just meant that to be funny. She has a second point that's actually um, interesting, which is, did anyone else notice a sign in Jarden for one of the stores that read Logos? I think it was episode 202. I thought it was interesting. Is this mm-hmm. Lindelof's way of telling us that we should be using logic? And I, here's another one. This I might be setting myself in the same trap. I didn't go through and verify that there is a bookstore or a, I 
wait, it's not even a bookstore. It's a storefront that says Logos. I don't think it has anything to do with logic. That is the Greek word for uh, the word word. And it's also in, <laughs> it's also okay. one of the nick, many, many, many nicknames for Jesus Christ. He's referred to as sure. lo, he's Logos in the, in the Bible. He's the word, which is, mm-hmm. goes back to in the Christian mythology. Um, Jesus actually did all of creation. God was the one that commanded it. So he's the word he in, in put into action. Um, so it could be okay. a, another. There's been a lot of Christ references, especially around Kevin. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think it's 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 another in, instance that he's that that Kevin's a Christ-like figure. Uh, do you know of any other people who have died and come back besides Kevin and the dude from Australia? This makes me think of the chapter in Revelation that talks about the two witnesses. They die and then raise from the dead in three and a half days in Revelation eleven seven through thirteen. Also interesting about this is in verse 13 where it talks about an earthquake. Um, that's interesting, but if we take Virgil at his word, the guy on the, the, the column also came back from the dead. Yeah. And so did Virgil. So you'd have the four-witness theory instead of the two-witness theory, and it's not as nice and neat a connection. It's true. Um, she also has a continuing the Revelation thing. Uh, if you go over to chapter 12 in Revelation, you'll read a story about a woman who gives birth to a boy being in labor pains and such. It talks about a war in heaven with Satan being sent down to earth. It speaks about the woman getting eagle's wings to flee from the Satan, from the serpent. At the end, it talks about the serpent spewing water from its mouth like a river to hmm. overtake the woman, but the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river. It says the serpent is enraged and goes off to make war with her offspring. This is a lot more interesting, I thought, but it's weird because there hasn't been any other kind of... Well, I mean, I guess the eagle... Yeah, there is a lot. In Access Monday, yeah. The, the, the two witnesses, not so much, but this thing here yeah. is a little bit more interesting of, of biblical foreshadowing. It's not quite as on the nose as the, the Moses stuff and the Babylon stuff. But... Why did she roll over to chapter 12 here? Is there some like indication in the episode, or is no, it just like... just something she... Oh, I know the tra- chapter 12. Yeah, she's just, just, okay. just flashing some Bible knowledge out there. Uh, hmm. Any thoughts on that before we move on? I, once again, that's a lot of coincidences. I, I can imagine them like trying to theme this as, you know, the end times, Revelation. Yeah, sure, yeah. Um, and Revelation's chock-a-block full of crazy fucking imagery, man. Yeah, when you we think the Bible's boring, beast. You think the Bible's boring, sit down and read Revelation. It'll <laughs> only take you an hour or two, and yeah. it is insane. Don't read, like, Song of Solomon. That's well, all bullshit. Well, you want a boner. <laughs> like Solomon's got all that no, erotic what's the, literature uh, about no, it's, uh, comparing his, wo- his, his girlfriend's... Uh, is his lover's ass to a mountain goat? <laughs> what is what is the one that lists all the son of X, son of Y, oh, that's, son uh, of Z? That's numbers, I believe. Numbers? Don't go read numbers. Hey, hey, numbers isn't worth the time. Numbers didn't try to fool you. It's called numbers. <laughs> We're gonna enumerate the list of people right. here. It's just like you can't you can't read about you can't complain about Deuteronomy being too legalistic because it's literally called the law. Yeah, you know. It's it's the, the Bible's very li- the, the, the Pentateuch anyway is very literal. You got Genesis, how it all began. Numbers, bunch of fucking census shit about the Israelites. Deuteronomy, it's the law, etc. Yeah. Uh, Martin from the UK said, just finishing listening to your uh, podcast in the last leftovers episode. I recall you mentioned the fact that Kevin only had euros in his wallet and it wasn't explained. Ah, Martin from the UK. I bet you'd prefer to be pound sterling, wouldn't you? <laughs> you hold out. Uh, this happened when he's going to tip the man who delivered flowers to his hotel room. Clearly, this purgatory is still in the United States. 
because he drove to the well in Jarden. The other place mentioned was Kevin uh, in Australia. So what was the significance of the Euros? Well, he's an international assassin. Right. Like, he's going to have passports and cash. I'm glad you said and... that because that's what I was going to say. Okay. That, that's the, that was the further the fact that he's an international assassin. Yeah. But it wouldn't also surprise me if there was some, you know, like if, if whoever the figures on the Euro, if those are significant. Like, it would, it would not blow me away if there's a lot of significance to particular types and denominations and stuff of cash. But I don't know anything about that. Is Jesus on the Euro? <laughs> Is Jesus on the Euro? Uh, t- only if he's uh, from Spain. Uh, there's I don't could think be, he there, is. there could there could be it wouldn't blow me it wouldn't East. blow me away if there's like some uh, Spanish politician named Jesus uh, Esposito or whatever. Sure, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, if you got any ideas of what it could mean other than international assassin, uh, email us in okay. leftovers of allmove.com. Corey R said, "Forgive me if this has been discussed, but I just started listening to your podcast. In the first episode of the second season, Evie brings back water from the spring for Michael." Erica reminds her to take her epilepsy pills, and she uses that water to wash them down. After seeing International Assassin and the importance of not drinking the water, do you think the fact that she drank the specific water contributed to her departure? Also, important to note, the next scene that Michael is selling the water, no one is interested in it because he can't guarantee it will do anything, and we never see anyone drink it besides Evie. Obviously, this was before this episode. Yeah. We know it has nothing literally to do with the connection. Thematically, it's kind of interesting, though, yeah? It is, yeah. I'm not sure what it's saying. But clearly it can't be literal. This is another so. thing where the, the leftovers is so far it's still tap dancing that line between supernatural and natural. Is the water real or anything or, or not? I mean, it could literally just be her expressing that this water isn't anything special. Hmm. You know, I'm going to drink of it because it's just water. And I'm going away on a trip anyway. Okay. I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. It's, it's, that was a lot more interesting before this, this uh, thing came out. Yeah. Uh, Benjamin T says, I was rewatching recently season one of the show and found an interesting connection. In episode four, BJ and the AC, the cold opening shows the creation of a doll used as baby Jesus in the town's nativity scene. Uh, after the doll was made in the factory, is repackaged, or packaged rather, uh, the words, it's a boy, are printed on the packaging with the same uh, type of font and the same words that are Mary's balloon and International Assassin. Which has already been connected to the It's a Girl balloon from the Garvey's at their best episode. I haven't condensed any of this into a clear theory, but I find it interesting and haven't seen it mentioned elsewhere. This could mean many parallels to Jesus Christ, uh, such as the Immaculate Conception, are present or will be in the future. It could also mean parallels to the doll's journey being stolen, returned, and then replaced by Matt, or disappearing, reappearing, and then replaced by Matt will be present in the future episodes. Just wanted to throw this out there because I thought it was interesting. You guys might be able to strengthen or add a connection. Um, first of all, there's a huge kind of nexus of Jesus Christ around Kevin. So mm-hmm. put that out there first. Also, I felt like the BJ and AC stuff was kind of, it served its purpose inside the season one arc. So I don't necessarily think it needs to come forward, but the fact that they're putting this, it's a boy, it's a girl or whatever message on balloons says that they're wanting to bring at least some of that back. It seems like it. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you. It's, like, something we should keep in mind as the next episode rolls along, but for right now it's kind of murky. How excited you are you for this next episode? I can't wait. Um, because I'm, I'm fully expecting... With child. <laughs> yes. I'm fully expecting the full body tingles that I yeah. got last year. Just... Come, man, it's, it's hard to overstate how satisfied I was at last year's finale. Just from emotional catharsis, from... 
the burning mysteries that needed to be resolved being resolved, leaving enough mystery for is there still to be a lot of story to be told. Yeah. The fact that it kind of threw a lot of that away and moved it down to Texas. Mm-hmm. And if we get a season three, it surely can't stay in Jarden. I mean, it depends on what happens. In like, the finale, I'm expecting guess, something that's just going to shut the place down. Yeah. Like... Like we won't want it to be in Jarden. Yeah, and it's like, is that something you can? Is this something sustainable? Maybe. That, I'm not sure, but I'm super excited. Yeah, like if we I go know. Area 51 next. Where do we? I, I I'm super excited. Not only just be, not only to see what happens, go to outer space, but also just to see what speculation about what in the next season is going to look like. And how interested I? Because I remember I wasn't totally that interested in speculating about next season after the last one. It's just like I, you know, I, I felt very full. I felt I felt like I had a good meal, and I want to go to a restaurant again. But I, I'm I'm content. Yeah, and you kind of hit the end of the book as well. So you're like, yep. is there any more to tell? What sure. would be compelling? Who knows? I don't, honestly, uh, I feel like the book. I mean, not held them back, but being free from that material. Seems like it really opened up the possibilities to tell some really stories that seem to surpass last season in every way. Yeah, play with kind of the structure of the season. Yes. Go, go with these in-depth looks at individuals or couples. Uh, I think that's done it a lot of favors this season. Uh, Jason in Milwaukee says, my only complaint about the episode. Really? Meg went to Jarden as well. Has anyone not been to this town? Uh did you have a problem with that? The fact that she visited Jarden and that coincidence? I didn't either. I felt like... No, if it's become known across the land as the one place that's untouched, or and just, there's some psychic claiming that he's got powers and can help you, Like, if you took you? any random group of strangers and you sat them down and said, who visited the Twin Towers after the attack? I sure. bet it's a surprising amount of people. I know mm-hmm. I did. Like, if you were in New York or anywhere around there and at, during the time that it was being rebuilt or when there's just a two pits or when they had the memorial, I, good chance you stopped by. Yeah, probably. Uh, so I feel like that that's, like, such a, like you said, such a big cultural phenomenon connected to this kind of big catastrophe. Yeah, there'd be people going there doing pilgrimages. Yeah, from what I gather, it's become the most famous place in America, practically, right? Yeah. I mean, people aren't camping outside Disney World trying to get in. True. Although you probably are getting 100,000 people through Disney World a week. So <laughs> they're designed for the traffic. Yeah. They, they need to, they need to talk w- to Disney and step up their game. They need to get the rusty bridge out and a yeah. four-lane highway in. They, they, they need to get with it, Get man. some turnstiles going. Yeah, talk to, Kings, talk to Cedars Point. <laughs> um, he also says it takes more than one evening to travel from upstate New York to Texas, which I, I don't know if that was... You can literally drive, make the drive. I looked it up on Google Maps. You can make the drive in 26 hours. But I don't know that it's super important to the plot that it, they did drive in 24 hours of that stop. Like they could have made it in two stops, and like we just saw them driving through the night. You know? I, I mean, I've driven from Indiana to San Antonio, which is... Right. Well, that's significant. Yeah. That's like an 18-hour? It's like 20-ish. Yeah. Okay. It was more like 16 when we drove it because... Texas is crazy big. We drove I've, shit out of it. I've driven from Indianapolis to Dallas on several occasions. Uh, almost half of that journey was in Texas. I know. <laughs> like, you see the Texas state line, like, so, yeah, I'm getting... No, no, no you my, you've just begun because Texas is fucking huge. Yeah. So... I think it can be done. We didn't stop once. No, yeah, you can. Yeah, sure. And you weren't even. Well, I guess you were in a cult. 
but you were getting to a video game conference. You weren't doing some yeah. life-saving or life-destroying. <laughs> you know, I didn't have a mission, necessarily. Yeah, like your mission was to stay up all night, drink Mountain Dew, and play <laughs> video games. If that got you there yeah. in one one shot, I, I think you could make it if you've got the, the cult juice going. Uh, Rick M., I have to take slight issue with the Guilty Remnant becoming a C4-fueled instrument of mass destruction so hell-bent on making sure that people stay in remembrance that they're now willing to disregard their own beliefs. I do struggle with the continuity of the GR's belief system as a nonviolent organization, and I believe Meg does too. She calls out the House leaders for stoning their own members when they themselves say violence is weakness, and she is met a bullshit cop- met with a bullshit cop-out answer of explanations are useless. It looks as if Meg is completely off the rails on this one and has managed to bring along some other members of the Guilty Remnant. It's pretty clear that she doesn't really give much of a shit about the ceremony of being in the Guilty Remnant anymore. She doesn't care to wear white, smoke, refrain from verbal communication, or stand around and stare at people from the street. She believes wholeheartedly with the core of the Guilty Remnant, however, has lost faith in the leadership of the movement and has decided to take things on on her own path. Where I have issue with all this is from a realistic perspective. If Meg truly believes in making sure the world is hearing the Guilty Remnant's message, then she has to know that blowing shit up and taking lives in the process will set in motion a chain of events that will ultimately end with the Guilty Remnant being swiftly eradicated from U.S. soil. Yeah. It's not like the Guilty Remnant is well hidden or anything that has never, uh, or anything that's never been their point, quite the opposite. They purchase entire cul-de-sacs and churches, give zero fucks about who knows or objects. If they are found responsible for a terror attack, it would take the FBI about 45 minutes to wipe America clean of its GR infestation, given how negatively federal law enforcement already feels about them. My my slight problem is it's, it's really it's entirely arguable that they would have vis- viewed the Mapleton as a terror attack. Yeah. You know, breaking and entering on a large scale and fucking with people and inciting violence. I don't feel like they need a big excuse to go nuclear on that. Yeah, and I mean, maybe Meg doesn't care. I mean, if if she's going to go and do this thing, and the GR is going to feel the effects of it, yeah, from the government, she, why right. would she care? Right? She's now plain clothes, uh, smoke half the time, and talk all the time, Meg. Yeah, and that's what his point is. Is like, is is Meg or a guilty remnant, remnant extremist? And that's, I think, like that's I, your does, ISIS comparison. Does, does Meg really care if the guilty remnant doesn't survive this attack? I don't think she does because she's yeah. wanting to change everything. Sure. So why does she care about the exact form the guilty remnant takes? I don't think she does. And I wonder like if her amongst her followers what they think about it. I mean, some of them seem like really jazzy she's going to change everything, but they still seem to be kind of slaves to the guilty remnant way of thinking. I think that's interesting of how much she still believes and how much she's just kind of woken up and now has seen how she can harness this for her own purposes. Sure. And why is she so full of rage? Why does she need to lash out? You know? Yeah. I guess I don't, I don't fully understand like her and her mother and why that's caused such and miracle and why that's caused such a big problem for her. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I get why she would be kind of angry about it that she was overlooked, but I, that her grief was overlooked. Yeah. I, but I haven't fully made the connection with their relationship. I don't either. I feel like I'm looking through a picture with a picket fence. Okay. Like, I'm seeing the big pieces. Okay, orphan at a young age, uh, some probably abusive, yeah. neglectful jackass got you and lifted you up and then dropped you. Your mom's kind of, you know, she's kind of like a pusher, and you got a drug problem, and... 
Like, there's a lot of obvious things, and you lost your mom the day before, but did you really care about There's a lot of fucked up things there, but I haven't seen what connects them. In the same way, like, until Patty talked about her Jeopardy experience and not being able to leave Neil, like, we didn't really understand the yeah. whole breadth of her character either. And before she kind of laid out what Kevin was doing. Yeah, sure. Uh, I like, didn't fully connect Kevin's problem. When he was just shitting on, you know, cheating on her by shitting on other women, I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of understandable. I can, you know, it's, it's not a great thing to do, but, you know, being that open and honest with your lover about your kinks and some men would be feel like it's safer to go out and, to, and sort of risk and rejection with the woman, person you love and blah, sure, blah, blah. But now sure. it's like he's, yeah, he's, it seems like her life is systematic abuse from her father to her her husband until we appreciated that she wasn't really an empathetic character. So I'm thinking, where is the Meg reveal going to be? And I'm excited because I would like yeah. to see, I'd like to see Liv Tyler, uh, raised to rise to the occasion. And I'm not totally sure that it wasn't in, ep- in season one, honestly, <laughs> like I don't remember season one well enough to say for sure. We, we I don't think she mentioned any, connecting pieces. I don't think that she mentioned anything that justifies this level of craziness. Okay, but I I trust Lindelof and Perota that it's there. Oh, all right. Um, so I mean, we might be at episode three hundred nine before we figure it out, but <laughs> it, it will be figured out. Yeah. Uh, Doug from Astoria Queens did a really nice thing for the community. He created a Spotify playlist of tracks from both seasons, and he's made it public. Um, and I'm going to link to that so you can subscribe to it. I actually was listening to it. It wasn't compiled feedback today, but it has a lot of the obviously show specific notes, the main themes and the, the motifs from that, but also a lot of the, you know, anything that you can license off of Spotify. So if you want to, you know, we, we play, we had the piano guy a couple weeks ago. Now we've got the Spotify guy. Thanks, Doug. I appreciated it as I was compiling my music, my, my feedback today. Again, that's in the show notes. So go to baldmove.com, find this episode article, and it'll be linked in the, the, the show article for it. Christine T. says, um, uh, has a as a in-depth review of the music of the show that they used in here. And we already talked about the white lines, but she mentions mm-hmm. The Promise, which is there's a, a, is a country remake of this song called The Promise. Oh, okay. I imagine you guys did your due diligence. However, in case you didn't already know, this is a cover of the perfect instant feel-good song originally done by Win in Rome. Uh, Magic, this is the one I really want to talk about, another epic classic. It's perfection with setting up the Guilty Remnant base camp inside a countryside skate shack. Uh, another reference to other dimensions as in the movie Xanadu and Olivia Newton-John skates into a magical place via 1980s skate place. Fuzzy, sparkly, disco-colored dream world with leg warmers. The thing that I thought was interesting is I think this is the second Olivia Newton-John song, and she's an Australian. So to me, this was more about reinforcing the shit's going down in Australia theme than uh-huh. any of the other skate stuff or other dimensions or that thing, although it works for that too. Interesting. So appreciate the musical commentary there. Edgar E., I know you guys – or hey, guys, I know this is far out there, but do you guys think the showrunners named the young Murphy kid Michael Murphy for uh, a reason – is there any chance there's a connection to the quote unquote Michael Murphy, who was a United States Navy SEAL officer who was awarded the U.S. military's highest decoration, the Medal of Honor, for his actions during the war in Afghanistan? He cuts and pastes from Wikipedia that Murphy was killed on June 28, 2005, after exposing himself to enemy fire and knowingly leaving his position of cover to get a clear signal in order to communicate with his headquarters. He provided his unit's location and requested immediate support for his element and then returned to his position, continue fighting until he died from his wounds 
Now, if you don't recognize this guy's name, you'll probably recognize the next one, Marcus Luttrell, who wrote the book Lone Survivor. He was, in fact, the only Navy SEAL that survived this four-man mission. They made a big movie out of it starring Mark Wahlberg. Um, and it's it's pretty inspirational. The guy's name's Michael Murphy. Uh, he continues by saying, any chance we see the Murphy kid in the show pull off a heroic act and save Jarden from the bomb the guilty remnant made? And the bomb could be used in metaphorical sense. Okay. Michael Murphy is a hero that saves the day. Uh, Maybe at the cost of his own life. Sure, that's no crazier than any of the other theories I've heard today. I don't think that's something you get from Reza Aslan. I think that's something you'd get from sure. Marcus Luttrell. So that's the one thing. It, it might be just a coincidence. On the other hand, you know, do you really believe in coincidences and the plotting of this thing? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see next week, in fact. Uh, Danny H., how is it that not one person thought the girls were guilty remnant members? We were all looking for a reason as to why they were silent in the car journey back in episode one, but it didn't even cross our minds. That's great storytelling, distracting us from the obvious answer. Well played, Mr. Lindelof. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Truly. We've forgotten. Uh, They weren't smoking. If they were smoking, sure. Yeah, well, that might have been too on the nose. And also, the other thing is, like, people are like, they weren't smoking or wearing clothes. Well, Meg's radical offshoot doesn't do all that, so he's got the answer for you. Well, it makes you wonder when outsmarting the internet in this day and age is something that he should feel really proud of. That the fact that enough breadcrumbs made it obvious in retrospect, but no one, no one smoked it out. The saddest part is he'll never know. He's off Twitter. So, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but it does make you also wonder how long has this been going on, right? If they're, if they're taking this solemn drive. Oh yeah. uh, And we know that Evie met Liv, Liv Tyler, met Meg uh, a year before. A year before last season. So that's two full years that we had to play with. Yeah, then you it makes you wonder like so so clearly Meg had to go get involved with the GR and then come back to Jarden somehow, get in contact with Evie. Well, there's the internet. I mean, I assume yeah, yeah. That we're, I, assume I mean, that no, I don't mean literally. I just mean come back to it, you know, in a narrative sense. Yeah. Um, but I, potentially Evie has been living this fiction where she's talking and smiling and laughing for a while. Yeah, and 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 also. With her parents being none the wiser. Yeah. Because they're not saying, oh, Evie was a troubled girl and, you know, we're really worried about her. We're like, she's a good girl and she doesn't, the worst thing is she doesn't take her medicine sometimes. Do you think she honestly didn't take her medicine or do you think she faked a seizure on that night? I'm wondering. To make her parents think that she could have just drowned or like, I'm, I'm not sure why she would do that. But now that I know all this about her, I'm trying to recontextualize everything I know. Or to like go inside and take a phone call. I don't. Is that why she wanted to be excused from the events? Maybe. I mean, there's uh, Obviously, that's one of many possibilities. Although, but. the other thing is, like, uh, having a seizure... If I was her parents and she had a seizure because she didn't take her medicine that night and her, 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 her girlfriends pulled up in her Lexus and be like, Woo, it's like a midnight swim! I'd be like, you just had a seizure. Yeah. I don't know if I trust this midnight swim stuff out on the... I don't, you know? Like, so it's a kind yeah. of a risk... You're taking that way, but I guess she knows her parents and what to let her get away with. I just don't want to get blindsided by a potential past with the GR that Evie has. I bet you I, I want going to throw to. it out there. No, I'm throwing it out okay. there. All right, Evie might have a past with the GR that we don't know about yet. Oh, yeah, guarantee. Like I feel she like she kind of has to. There's going to be a scene where like uh, Meg's watching Entertainment Tonight and they're covering the 
second anniversary of the Miracle Park opening and Evie is in the choir and the camera sees her and Meg Meg sees her and's like I remember that girl uh-huh. Evie Jarden oh there's right and she's we're gonna see we're I I would be surprised if we don't see all those lines be connected in some efficient little scene maybe even the cold open for next next episode yeah because that's a big how long has it been going on how did it happen are kind of big questions I don't need the answers to but I need a little bit sure I need a little bit. Uh, Danny continues, I think it would be really interesting if the events of the season finale mean that Meg radicalizes the remnant into something else entirely. Wouldn't it be interesting if in season three they explored how much a cult can change into something even nastier uh, once misguided members take the reins? Much like Scientology, etc., we could see Meg turn the remnant into a more violent, darker group than we could have ever imagined. I agree. I think Scientology is a good... Um, a, a, a good one. Uh, I know that our, you know, our personal cult went through a lot of organizational change and seemed every time some maniac took over, it got worse and more cult like, like, you know, in the original 1870s, it was essentially just a run of the movement millennial group. You know, there's mm-hmm. no crazy disfellowshipping and no crazy health risks and no super behavioral mind control. And as each successive generation took over, it got more and more like that. Yeah. And it was an offshoot of, of some other, the Millerites at the point. Yeah. Who I guess became the seventh day Adventists. Those are literally the Millerites. So they're like Hmm. our spiritual cousins. Okay. Uh, Don't quote me on that. Uh, (laughs) And if you're seventh day, I really don't care. So you, you you don't have to explain the history, but uh, uh, that's my understanding. Uh, Joel H. Lots of good stuff in the episode. Great twist ending. But for some reason, I was ha- just happy to see Isaac again. I think Darius McCrary is an underrated actor, and the character of Isaac seems to have a potentially rich backstory that I'd love to see explored. Incidentally, did you know Darius McCrary was born in Walnut, California? A fun bit of <laughs> serendipity, I thought. Oh, hey, there you Speaking go. Speaking of your seren- goddamn dipity. <laughs> Anyway, do you think you'll see more of Isaac? I think we'll see a lot more of Isaac. You can't. I hope so. Because here's the thing: if you want to take this full circle, Daniel does the prophecy about the words on the wall. Uh, The Babylon Babylon is overthrown, and he is rewarded by the new regime with a prominent position in the uh, what was the Darius was the uh, Medes, the Medo Persian Empire. Uh, So, if if Meg leads an assault on Jarden and 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 Isaac is the Daniel figure who is exiled from the promised land, it stands to reason that he will figure prominently if they continue to go through that through line and have that symmetry with the, the, the Bible passage that, that Meg's new regime will somehow – he's at the bare minimum going to get back into Jarden. You got me thinking about – this connection between John and Megan, both going to Isaac and what Isaac says about some people want to see their futures and those people get the hand reading. Yep. And his message to John, after he reads his hand, that something bad is going to happen. What Uh, if that is not the disappearance of Evie? What if that is in fact him seeing John's future with Meg in it, doing something horrible to miracle? Or what if he said that just to fuck with John because he's in on the the whole scheme too, or that, (laughs) Because Meg did not get her hand read conspicuously, right? It was the the chewing, right? Yeah, yeah. Like she, she wanted to the, know she got the she wanted to know something about the dead person. Yeah. Whereas John wanted to know his future. Like I said, I laid out my case for that could be a, a cold versus hot reading tactic. 
Sure. But no, I mean, I wouldn't put it past it that, that Isaac, although Isaac never seemed that angry. Like, until John showed up. Like, I don't know why he would be working with the guilty remnant. Whereas, yeah. Edie, there's something wrong with her. You know, where Isaac seems like maybe he's an opportunist, maybe he's a true believer. But... Yeah, I'm not sure what his motivation would be, but it it seems like maybe we haven't seen the bad thing that's going to happen yet. Mm. Now that we know that there's probably a bad thing coming, maybe this is it. Yeah. Okay, that's all the email I have. So we're both in right. the same same wavelength that we're going to see more of Isaac. I think it, so. It'd shock yeah. me if we don't see him again. I hope so. Uh, that's all the feedback we got. Leftovers at baldmove.com or get on forums.baldmove.com if you want to discuss with other fans and myself in real time. Uh, I think that's all we got. Yeah, we'll be back, you know, next week. As you say, we're with child to see the next week's episode. Yep. Um, Figuratively or literally. You're still going to cover things as they, as normal. No, no deviations in schedule or any changes that way. Nope. It'll be nice to see the uh, leftovers at nine o'clock live. Oh, that's right. Walking Dead's over for the I'm gonna season. Be appo- it's going to be appointment television. So anyway, that's it. Uh, we're super excited about next week's episode, as Jim said, with child. Uh, but until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm having my line stolen. I'm Jim. Bye. Bye.